What is up, Thrive Tribe? Welcome back to the Thrive University podcast. I am your host and chief energy officer, Jeremy Abramson, and I am beyond excited for today's conversation with Hala Taha. And this woman is an absolute boss. You are going to learn so much from Hala during this conversation, and she has overcome so much adversity to get to where she is now. And before we dive in to today's interview, I just want to let you know that I launched something extremely special. It is my first group coaching experience. For the last five years, I've worked exclusively one-on-one with some of the highest level executives, entrepreneurs, and athletes to improve their health, to improve their performance, to improve their peace of mind. And after doing that work for so long and having so much success, I felt called to serve more people. And I wanted to make something that was more affordable, more accessible, and that also cultivated a community of like-minded, growth-oriented individuals. So if you are interested in this opportunity, in this elevation experience, hit the link in the show notes. You'll see the opportunity there. And again, remember, your health is not an expense. Your health is an investment. And the best investment you can make is the one in yourself. So let that marinate in your mind while we get started with this show. Again, fam, I had so much fun during this interview. I feel so grateful to connect with people like Hala and present them to you to help you elevate, to help you thrive, to provide you the tools that you were never given in school. So that's enough of me. Let's get in to today's show with the one and only Hala Taha. What is up, Thrive Tribe? I am so excited for today's guest. We have such a special treat for you today. And that special treat is Hala Taha. And Hala is the host of Young and Profiting Podcast which frequently ranks as the number one education podcast across all apps. Hala is also the CEO of Yap Media, a full-service social media and podcast marketing agency for top podcasters, celebrities, and CEOs projected to generate over $1 million in revenue in its first year. She is a well, she's well known for her engaged following and influence all over LinkedIn. And she landed on the January 2021 cover of Podcast Magazine, which is super dope. We might have to do a a read over of that intro. I stuttered a little bit, but Hala, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you. I'm so excited to be here, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Yes, yes, yes. I want to start this conversation in a little bit of a weird place. So I heard one of your previous interviews and you talked about how one of your childhood best friends wasn't allowed to invite you to her wedding. Mm. And I know it's a weird place to start. Yeah. 
but I would love for you to tell us why and what that story is all about. Oh my gosh, what a great, I can tell this is going to be a great interview from your research and from this first question. So yeah, when I was growing up and when I was in college, I was the black sheep in the community. I am Palestinian American. I'm from an Arabic community. My parents were very involved in the community. My dad was a doctor and a lot of Arabic people are doctors. And so he they had a lot of friends in the community and those doctor friends, their kids were my best friends growing up. And as I got older and, you know, I went to college, I was, you know, really popular, would go to a lot of parties, was on the cheerleading team, was very Americanized, quite honestly. And my parents were very liberal and kind of let me do whatever I want. But to the community, I was like the black sheep. I was the the bad girl who always had a boyfriend or who who would go to parties. And honestly, I was just normal, a normal college kid. But to the community, I was really bad. And uh, people were telling their kids not to hang out with me, that I would be a bad influence, that you won't get married if you hang out with Hala. Um, you know, she's a bad girl, that type of a vibe. And even my cousins in Palestine, I remember some of my cousins who lived in Palestine messaging me like 13-year-olds when I was in college, like young cousins saying like, oh, you're an embarrassment to our family. Like, why are you so embarrassing? Because I was going to these parties and posting it on Facebook at the time and, and just being a normal college student. But honestly, that kind of like situation, the fact that so many people looked down on me gave me even that more motivation to succeed. And I'm thankful for all those people who kind of looked down on me and who didn't believe in what I was doing and thought it was silly that I was working at a radio station and kind of following my dreams. Because look at me now, I'm a number one podcaster. And those people probably cringe when they see that, right? And I'll never talk to a lot of those people again. And they have reached out to me and they have said, you know, I'm really sorry for what happened in the past. And it's like, well, too late. You know, you guys really screwed me up when I was younger and really affected you know, my self-esteem and and thank God I'm, I was strong enough to kind of overcome that. But it was really tough when like your best friend from when you were six years old, uh, she ended up breaking off the marriage partly because of this. But when her mother-in-law says you either get married with, to my son um, and Hala can't be in the wedding or, you know, you don't get married to my son if you, if you want Hala. Like it was that serious for me to be like a part of it. So it's just crazy. And, you know, looking back on it, I don't know if I would change anything because I'm glad that I went through all the experiences that I did. And I'm really glad that I wasn't a sheltered, you know, Arabic girl who wasn't allowed to do anything. And I'm really thankful for my dad and my mom for being open and letting me do kind of whatever I want, even though their friends look down on them for, for allowing them to do that. Mm, that's such a powerful story. Yeah. And I acknowledge you for overcoming all of that adversity. And I appreciate you sharing that openly. What would you say to someone right now who might feel stuck as well? Maybe they're not feeling supported by the people they feel like should be providing them that support, that unconditional love. What would you say to someone who's maybe feeling held back by their group of friends or their family members? I would say that you need to really listen to yourself and you need to take advice from people who have been where you want to go. 
You can't, even people who love you, they, they have good intentions, but they only know what's good for them, right? They only know what's possible for them. So for me, when I was growing up, you know, I had dreams to be a singer and I had dreams to be a radio personality and to be in entertainment. And everybody thought that was ridiculous. Like you should be a teacher, you should be an engineer, you should be a chemist, like be something normal, right? And to me, it's like, I knew that I was capable of something more than that and that that wasn't my destiny, but I was listening to all these people who have never been where I want to go. And anytime I listened to myself, that's when I was super successful. And there's been a lot of times in my life where I zoned out everybody else. I think it's partially because of this trauma that I faced when I was younger, being like the black sheep of the community. I'm really good at like laser focusing and not giving a crap what anybody else says because people have been judging me since I was a young girl, you know? Mm. And so I've always been really good at that. And I only take guidance now from my mentors who have been where I want to go. And anybody who has not, you know, become a famous podcaster or become a TEDx speaker or whatever it is, I don't listen to them because they're not on my same path. And if you haven't been on this path, you don't know what it takes and you can't give me advice and I'm not going to listen to you. And so even people that you love, your mother, your father, your your cousins, they can give you bad advice and you need to realize that and kind of uh, navigate feedback in that way. Mm, I love that. So I feel like a lot of successful people, whether athletes, musicians, artists, they use this fuel, these triggers, these traumas from the past, and they use them as fuel to become successful. But do you think using that as fuel is sustainable? Like what is, when you wake up each morning, what is that thing that really lights up your soul that really inspires you to keep going? Even when you're having those moments where it's like, yo, I'm trying to go back to bed. Yeah. I, I would say being a leader and, and, and supporting my team is really, really my number one driver. I always think about like, man, it'd be way easier like just to like chill and not be so driven. You know, I work 18 hour days sometimes, but then I think of my team and, you know, I have 40 people on my team now and I'm like, gosh, like I'm paying their payroll. This is how they live. We're building a huge company. My clients are dependent on me. Just like helping people like training my team, making sure that they're, you know, set up for the rest of their life in terms of their skills, making sure that my clients are happy, like all that kind of like, I guess, um, people pleasing in a way. It's like, I love to help people. I Mm. absolutely love to serve people. And that's what keeps me driven reading all my, you know, Apple podcast reviews for my podcast and seeing how my podcast impacts people's lives or reading those DMs. That's what keeps me driven. And then I think about if I don't drop an episode tomorrow, you know, 25,000 people are going to be like missing out. They listen to it. It's part of their routine. Right. And so uh, to me, it's really important to kind of serve people. And I think that's my purpose in life. Mm. I, I, I know you also mentioned that that's one of your superpowers too, is team building, Yeah. whether it's been intentional or unintentional, you seem to always kind of build that squad around you. Yes. What do you, what do you think it is about you and your skill set that has allowed you to enroll others in your vision? 
Yeah. And just to give your listeners some context, I've like always become the the president of something. Like my whole life, I was just a leader and able to build teams around me. So like, you know, I started this thing called the sorority of hip hop, where I had a number one hip hop and entertainment news blog. And I had 50 bloggers under me. I was president of my alumni association. I was president of the Young Employee Network at Hewlett Packard for two years. So it's like, I, I've always been able to like recruit volunteers, especially like people working for free and uh, interns and things like that. It's just honestly, like you said, it's like a superpower. And when I started Young and Profiting Podcast, because I had done so much leadership stuff, I really wanted to do it on my own. Like That was the plan. I was like, this time I'm doing it by myself, no co-host, no team. That's it. I just want to do it on my own. Maybe an audio engineer, but nothing else. Now I have 45 people on my team. And by like six months into the podcast, I had 10 people on my team. They were fans that volunteered to work on the show. They were just so obsessed with the show. And so I started a Slack group and recruited these volunteers. And now they're my team leaders and I pay them as employees. So it's just such an incredible journey. But back to your question of, of like, what, why is that? I think it's just because my like passion is magnetic. Passion is something that draws people in and people just see and hear and feel the passion and they just feel so drawn in. And then I think the second thing is I really try to teach and enable people. So I don't just like do this, do that, do this, do that. You know, I I teach you how to do it. I teach you the secrets in terms of becoming a great marketer, becoming a great podcaster. And anybody who's interested in those skills will find a lot of value working for me, even if it's for free, because I'm teaching them so much stuff and they get so much reward from all the success that we're getting from that. And so um, I think it's a mix of motivating, having passion, being magnetic, and then also giving people actual skills and never taking advantage of people. Like the minute somebody provides value that is something I would pay for, they get paid, right? And so it's like never taking advantage of people, always giving people credit when it's due and motivating them. Mm. Yeah, that's huge. And one of the things that I've noticed in a very small sample size is that it seems like you've created a lot of systems for your team. So it's like there's these different practices and protocols where it's almost second nature. And that's something I'm in the process of learning myself. Like, how can I empower the people on my team to kind of take things to the next level. And I can't wait to learn more about that from you because it seems like you've really mastered that skill. Yeah. I mean, processes are so important. It's so important to be repeatable and scalable. That's what I always tell my team. Like we need repeatable, scalable processes. And um, it's one of my favorite things to do because it unlocks so much efficiency when you have good processes, when people know exactly what they're supposed to do, when there's no confusion, all of that just maximizes everyone's time. Mm. And since we're talking about skills, can you talk a little bit about this idea of skill stacking, which I've heard you mention before? Yeah, of course. So skill stacking is something that I learned from Scott Adams. He is the creator of Dilbert. And it's like a very widely syndicated cartoon. He's one of the most famous cartoonists of our time. And basically, he taught me about this because he's a great cartoonist. But when he started, he you know was a good writer. He was a decent drawer. He was a businessman. And he was funny right? He put Mm -hmm. all of those skills together and he created Dilbert. And he wasn't the best in each category. That's the key. You don't have to be the best at anything. You need to be good and have some sort of acumen in each thing. You stack them together. You have a unique skill set that you can bring to the world. And that really gives you an advantage. 
for me with Young and Profiting Podcast, people don't realize this is my fifth or sixth show. I've never had a podcast. I've never had a solo podcast. I've never had a business podcast. But I used to have online radio shows and YouTube shows and Facebook shows. And so all of that experience gave me production experience, scripting experience, you know, audio editing experience, experience on social media. I had a blog site. So I got to write a thousand or two thousand blogs. You know, I've I've manage social media pages for Fortune 500 companies. All of these skills stacked together. When I started my podcast, it's like I was way ahead of the game because I had reps on the mic, right? I knew how to build social media accounts. I knew how to write and how to script and how to audio edit. And so when I started my episode one, like literally sounds like I did it 200 times, right? Because I had all that experience, even though I had taken like a four-year break in between, I still had a ton of experience. And I think that skill stacking is so important because when you start from experience, you don't start from scratch. You know, you start at another level. You're like a couple levels up already. And having these experiences, even if you fail, is so important because you stack up all those skills that you've gained from those experiences. And that is so powerful. That's why failure is just a stepping stone in your success because every failure that I had actually gave me so many skills that I could have under my belt when I did want to launch Young and Profiting, which was my quote unquote like overnight success. Right. So, yeah. It's beautiful how things come full circle. Now, you speak into a microphone for a living as well as I. And what I've realized in my experience is a lot of people struggle to speak their truth Mm. and speak from the heart and really open up. And I'm curious to know, you know, what are some things maybe that have helped you break out I know you've always dreamt of being a singer, but what are some things that have helped you really step into your power, speak your truth? And then how do you also give that power to those around you? Yeah. What a great question. And it's something that nobody has ever asked me before. So the question is like, how do I, how am I comfortable on the mic? How am I comfortable with speaking my truth? First of all, nothing is off limits. So I don't have like, say this, say that you can only say this. You can only say that like to me, I, I come with my full self. I've, I've cried on my podcast. I, there's no, I've talked about my relationship problems. Like there's nothing off limits. Right. And so I just speak genuinely. And that's one, one thing right there. There's no like filter. So there's no filter at all. I give away all my secrets. You see me in my clubhouse rooms. There's no filter. And probably there's some good and bad in that as well, because I give away some of my trade secrets sometimes because there's literally no filter. I, I believe in that. I believe in sharing everything with anyone. And like, you know, I'm an open book. Uh, secondly, I think it's a matter of preparation. So when I first started getting all these guest interview requests, I was so nervous because on my podcast, it's like, I can hide behind my questions. It's all about the guest. I barely talked about my personal stories. And I used to be in the limelight. But like I said, for four years, I took a break and I was in corporate and I thought I was never going to go back to entertainment. And so when I started my podcast, I was really rocky in terms of telling my own story. I, I was comfortable talking to other people and getting them to tell their story. But I never told my own personal stories. And people who listen to the podcast would be like, Holly, we want to hear from you. We want to hear from you. And I'd be like, well, I'm too nervous to even tell my own story on my podcast when I'm talking to these guests. Now, it's that's not the case. But one of the things that I did to get out of that is I wrote a story journal. And I started writing everything that's happened in my life 
Um, and I would pull them from like, I, I'm really open on LinkedIn. I, I used LinkedIn as like my gratitude journal for a long time. And those posts, it's like, I pulled a lot of my stories from LinkedIn that I've posted. I added in more stories. And when I started getting invited to all these podcasts, I had like a, a story journal and it made me feel more comfortable because it made me remember all these different things that have happened in my life. I've had a wild life. Like, honestly, I haven't even told half of the shit that has happened in my life on these podcasts. Like I had a crazy life because I was thrown into the entertainment world when I was just 19, you know, and I was hanging around all these celebrities and had a crazy life. And um, you know, people say that I've lived 20 years and 10 years, like the amount of experiences that I've had. And so I wrote all those stories down and it just gave me a lot of confidence. And it's something that I recommend if you guys are nervous, if you're you know, nervous about getting on other podcasts, nervous about speaking your truth, write down all your stories. And when you know them so well, it will be much easier to be confident and say them and not you know, be drawn out or anything like that. Mm, yeah. There's something so cathartic too about, about putting pen to paper. Oh, yeah. And... And just recalling some of those different stories and memories from the past. So, so because there's still so much you haven't shared, like that's that's the whole point of Thrive University. Is yeah. like we're getting we're getting you to peel back the layers to this proverbial onion. So are there any stories maybe from 19-year-old Hala or childhood Hala that have helped shape you to who you are today that you maybe haven't shared yet? Hmm. Well, I mean, like there, there's some really personal stuff that has happened. You know what I mean? Like, so for example, with Hot 97, I worked at this radio station for you guys who are not from New York. It's the number one hip hop radio station in the world. I worked on the number one show and I was in the studio area when I, I worked there for three years. And I was the only girl in the studio area. And it would just be every day a new celebrity, Kanye West, Jay-Z, Beyonce, Kim Kardashian, you name it. I met them. And at the time, it's like I was just a young girl. And so there was a lot of like, you know, dark stuff that kind of happened to me when I was working at Hot 97, to be honest. And I think that's also shaped me too, because... Now I feel like I'm so like protective of the people who work for me and like make sure that everything's safe for them. Because honestly, I was in a lot of unsafe situations when I was a young girl working at that station and around all those celebrities. And I mean, I'm not going to go into detail, but it's like, you know, I had some traumatic things happen to me and also some really crazy things. Like I dated Chris Brown. Like Chris Brown was my boyfriend after the whole Rihanna thing for, for three months, right? So it's like I dated Chris Brown for three months. Like that's an example of something that I've never really shared, you know, and uh, ended up meeting my longtime boyfriend right after that. But yeah, I mean, I dated celebrities. I used to hang out with celebrities. I've been in crazy situations where like, for example, Mac Main of Young Money uh, you know, he used to tell me he's going to make me the next Nicki Minaj. And he like would want me to do things to, to get in that position. I never did anything, but it's like, I had a lot of crazy experiences when I was younger as like being in that situation around all those celebrities and kind of being the young girl at hot 97 that everybody knew. Right. So it was crazy. And, um, you know, I think that a lot of my personality is shaped from those experiences. Damn. That's wild. Like, I know at some point more of those stories are going to come out, whether it's in the book or later down the road on a podcast. Like, but you just, you just like, you just 
put out one of the biggest teasers of all time, I think, on this podcast. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 really like I said, it's really personal stuff. And I think it will come out on a in a book one day because I really feel like there's so many stories that I haven't shared. And I just it hasn't really gotten brought up to talk about it so deeply. Yeah. So Hala, you mentioned that there's days where you're working 18 hours, you're managing a team, you're building an empire at Yap Media. And I'm curious to know, what are some of the things that you do on a daily basis to really maintain that level of health and wellness and longevity and to keep that inner peace going? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And and honestly, looking at your page and everything that you do, I probably need a lot of work in that area because I don't meditate, I don't breathe. I I just I'm just running all the time. Like that's my personality, but I'm really positive. I'm so positive. Like my natural tendency is to be positive and you know, being positive actually impacts the way that your brain is physically formed and your physical health, right? So I, I exercise a lot. I'm like a gym, always been a gym rat, right? I exercise a ton. Uh, with COVID, it's been harder. So it's like exercise is a huge piece of it. The other piece of it, like I said, is just being so naturally positive. Like I, I don't have many negative thoughts. Like negative thoughts, I think, make up 90% of people's thoughts. For me, I feel like it's probably like 60. Like, you know, I'm like very not negative. And that's why I'm actually, I, I have a problem where I'm always late to everything. <laughs> I was 10 minutes late to this podcast. And it's because I always think I have more time than I have because I'm so positive. And that's just like who I am. You know, I always see the glass is always half full. The glass is always full, in my opinion. And I feel like that's why I'm able to manifest so much in my life because I'm really not negative. And actually, I hate being around negative people. Like it like just drains me so much. And so I don't even hang out with negative people. I won't hang out with you if you're negative. I won't talk to you. You know, I'll just make sure that you're not around me um, as much as possible. <laughs> right. So yeah. like, how I do think, you, how, yeah. sorry to cut you off, but is there yeah. something, is there a way that like when you're bringing someone on your team that you kind of filter that in the hiring process? Oh my that- gosh. 100%. Like I interview people, I will hire you if you're positive. Like literally, if you're a positive, happy person, I'll be like, yes, even though you don't have any skills, let's go. Like, you know what I mean? Like you are a fit. You are culture fit. We're happy, hungry, hardworking at Yap. You fit that, you know? And so I love culture fit. And if I get on an interview and somebody's just like blah, dead or acts negative, I'm just like, this is not, a, even if you have the best skills in the world, I don't want to work with you. Like, I don't want that negativity in my team. And if anybody went on our Slack channel, like I said, we have 45 people. We are like the happiest team. Like, it's just like constant praise, constant emotion, constant energy. And it's, I think it's, it starts from the top, right? It's because I'm really positive. And yes, like we're serious. And sometimes, you know, I, I give direction. I can be straightforward, but it's always a warm kind of environment. It's always super happy, super energetic and things like that. So uh, great question. Um, I forgot where we were going before this, but that was a great question. Yeah. Just talking about different health practices and, you, uh, yeah. that, you know, moving your body is definitely one of them. And then the positive outlook, which, yeah. which and probably the- supersedes everything. Yeah. And then the other thing that I don't really talk about on my podcast, especially is because I have young people is that I smoke weed. 
right? I smoke weed every night. And honestly, I feel like it's really good for me. And I feel like that is my meditation. If I could just quite honestly be truthful, because I feel that that just lets me relax. Like I said, I'm working, 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 working. And when I smoke, I just feel relaxed. I don't overdo it. You know, I just have a couple pulls every night, but it just really relaxes me. And I feel like that also is part of my reason for success because I can just turn off and relax. So sometimes I say that, that that's my meditation. Hey fam, I'm sorry for interrupting today's show, but this is an urgent message because I just launched my first group coaching experience that is going to help you unleash your potential. We're going to tap into movement. We're going to tap into mindset. We're going to tap into nutrition and a whole lot more. Okay. But here's the thing. The cart is only open for one week. So there's no time to overthink this. You know what you need to do. You know the time is now to elevate your human experience. So if you want guidance from me, if you want an incredible community to support you and hold you accountable, hit the link in the show notes right now and join this movement. It's time for you to stop sleeping and unleash your full potential. Let's get it, fam. I believe in you. This is your time. This is your life. These are your dreams. Now, let's get back to today's show with the one and only Hala Taha. Yeah, do you know if you're usually smoking indica, sativa? I think it's uh I think it's like the upper one. I'm not positive. I, I I'm not positive. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Have you since we're on that topic, um have you explored any psychedelics? You know, no, I want to try microdosing like really bad. I really want to try microdosing. Um, I've heard such great things about it, and I feel like it's very similar to the kind of things that I'm doing with marijuana, honestly. Like, I don't know. For me, I feel like it's not bad, right? I really don't feel like marijuana is bad for you. I feel like it's it's good for you, honestly. And I feel like some people can't handle it. I'm extremely, extremely energetic, motivated, and hardworking. And some people can't handle it. Some people smoke and they get lazy and they're unmotivated. For me, it's like I'm so high energy that like I need it to relax. You know, yeah. like I need it and I don't do it when I have to work and be on and be on point. It's something I do at 10 p.m. at night, like to relax. Right. And so that's the difference. I want everybody to know that because I, I do want to be a positive role model. Don't do it during the day when you have to work and be totally on point. It's something that you do when you need to relax. In my I opinion. appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, we can we can go down a rabbit hole for this because I had Dr. Daniel Amen on the show who he's the doctor for Justin Bieber, Miley Cyrus, and he does these different, they're called spec scans on the brain. And you can really see how different substances affect the brain positively or negatively. And um, I made a post about this actually on TikTok and it hit like 4 million views because basically when you're smoking tobacco or, or marijuana, you're limiting blood flow to the hippocampus part of your brain, which is responsible for memories and learning and stuff like that. So if you're smoking weed every day, 
and you don't have a healthy relationship with it, obviously it's probably not going to be beneficial for you. But like yeah. you're saying, when you do it with intention, you have a specific purpose, right? And keeping in mind, this is a plant, you know, it wasn't synthetically made in a lab, yeah. like a lot of these medications that are commonly prescribed, right? And that's why I'm such a big fan of, you know, psilocybin, microdosing, because these are resources that we've been gifted. Yeah. And they're an extremely powerful tool if used properly with respect, with intention. So I 100%. appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, 100%. And I can't wait to, uh, I can't wait to like tap into microdosing with you. We'll talk, we'll talk more about that <laughs> off air for sure. So you also mentioned, I heard in an interview, you were actually interviewing Natasha Grano mm -hmm. and she was talking about the benefits of cold showers. And I'm pretty sure in that show, you said you were going to start implementing that into your life. Is that something that you've started? No, I am like the the queen of never taking a cold shower. I should. I should. I mean, I tried to at the end, like I'll just like put it a little bit cold, but I don't do it as much as I should. Honestly, I don't. Do you do that? I, I'm a big cold shower guy in Miami. It doesn't get that cold, unfortunately. But Hala, mm. do you have like a morning mantra that you say or something that you say to yourself that like gets you fired up? So you know what I do do in the morning? I do posture exercises now. Okay. So it's very interesting um, because we're always on our phone and we're always looking down and, and because of technology, our It's just terrible, right? And so I focus on my posture in the morning and I do a lot of exercises like in my doorway where I like have my hands on my door and then kind of lean forward and kind of stretch my back. I'll do a hundred jumps in the morning just to like get my energy up before I eat anything. Um, I do lots of different stretches. Uh, there's this girl on Instagram. Her name is Karina Face. And I like got her like program and it's all about like, uh, you know, better posture and then facial yoga. So I know I'm really weird. I have like really weird things that I like to do. Show me some facial yoga right now. <laughs> so like you go like, you go like this, you like, you like go under your neck, you, you go like this to like lift your cheekbones up, you go like this to like fix your forehead. So it's like, you can, you know, I have like no wrinkles on my face and, <laughs> you know, I'm getting older, not that I'm very old, but it's because I like take care of my body in that way. And I'm very like, make sure that you know, even the little things like your face gets exercised. So that's what I like to do in the morning. I like to focus on my posture and it kind of just sets my day off, right? It's it's a new routine that I started and I absolutely love it. And if you go on this girl's page and you look at the before and afters, it's like literally miracles happen with this, with what she's doing. So it's really cool stuff. Yeah, that's so powerful. I mean, I actually do workshops for companies called Stand Up to Sitting. I have it tattooed right here. Because like you said, we're spending so much of our life sitting it's not right. at a screen. It's not human. It's not, it's not how right. humans are meant to spend their days. And not only is it killing us on a physiological level, but also mentally, because as your body moves, your brain grooves. So as soon as we get stagnant with our body, we become stagnant with our mind as well. Yeah. And, and, um, and 
Yeah, we need to keep that spine nice and healthy, Hala. You got too many lives to impact. You know what I mean? I know. And you know what? I think that this is going to be a, a, a trend that's going to really become popular in the next 10 years or so is like this whole posture movement. I think posture is going to be huge because it's something that we as people like really ignore. Like we really ignore our posture and everything that we do in business life with all these devices like is terrible for our posture. It's not natural. It's not what we've been doing for millions of years. I see you trying to to stand up straight. And I feel like it impacts your mental. It impacts everything, how you feel. And um, I think it's going to be a new movement. For sure. Yeah. Amy Cuddy has a great TED talk. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've seen it. That's all about power posture. Yeah. And it's like, as leaders, we need to be open we need to be grounded. Yeah. And no one's inspired or enrolled by someone who's playing small like that. I know. I know. 100%. And I feel like just even your first impressions are so much more powerful when you naturally have good posture. And so for me, like good posture is something that I want to practice every single day. It sounds so small, but I think it's really powerful over time. Yeah. And I want to shift a little bit because you and I have something in common um, both of our dads are doctors. Mm. And what type what type of doctor is your dad? My dad passed away in May, but my dad was a general and vascular surgeon. Oh, wow. Yeah, he passed away from COVID. Was it from COVID? Yeah, he had diabetes and then he got COVID, yeah. Oh, my goodness. How yeah. has that... How has that... Oh, my gosh. What a freaking crazy situation that I had. 2020 was like the worst year and the best year of my life, like by far. It's like the first half of the year was like my dad just dying (laughs) the first half of the year. It's he had diabetes then he had to get his toe amputated. Then he got pneumonia. We were in and out of the hospital all the time. Then he had to get hyperbaric treatments. That's when COVID started coming out. I was like telling my parents, begging my parents not to go. I bought them a $20,000 home machine so they wouldn't go, but it was too late. Like literally the machine came and then my dad was diagnosed with COVID. I was like, oh my God, I just like tried to save everyone. Didn't work. And he got COVID and my mom got COVID and my brother got COVID. And I got the call from my sister and she was like, holla, mom and dad and your brother have COVID. You have like, I was in the city, no car. She's like, you have half an hour to let me know if you're coming or not. I didn't realize that I was in Brooklyn. I wouldn't be back in Brooklyn for three months. So I I went home with my sister. I came home. Everybody was so sick. My sister's a doctor. So she was taking care of my dad. And I was like the one like kind of cooking and cleaning, trying to just... Nobody knew how it was like... uh, We didn't know it was just through breath. So I was like, you know, constantly putting alcohol all over the floors, all over everywhere, because I was just so nervous that we were going to get COVID, like me and my sister. Uh, We ended up getting COVID. My dad was just deteriorating. Um, Thank God my mom and my brother are fine. Uh, We had to send him to the hospital. He was in the hospital for over a month. And, um, you know, had to get traits. And I just watched him just die on Zoom. They wouldn't let us go to the hospital even when I had already had COVID. When he passed away, we couldn't have a funeral at that time. Like we were the first family, I feel like impact, like one of the first families impacted. And it was just a nightmare. Like none of my friends wanted to see me. I spent my birthday alone. We couldn't have a funeral. They freaking buried my dad with his like shoes and his phone. Like they didn't even like give him a proper burial. Like it was fucked up, like so fucked up. 
And I actually like, I don't know how I did it, but I started my, my, my Yap Media while he was in the hospital. And that summer, I grew my company to 35 employees while I was working full-time at Disney Streaming Services. And I had this podcast and um, landed the cover of Podcast Magazine. My downloads went from 3,000 downloads a month to 150,000 downloads a month. Like just hockey stick growth while he was in the hospital and right after he died, it was like first half of the year was like terrible. Second half of the year, that, that pain and trauma that I went through and I have a good knack of taking trauma and turning it into something positive. Um, I just took all that pain and kind of honored my dad and was like, it's now or never. It's like, I've been doing all this work. I worked so hard, but there's something that's not clicking. I don't truly believe that I deserve this, or I don't truly believe that what I'm doing is possible. When my dad was dying, I was like, this is everything my dad worked for. My dad was came from Palestine, uh, grew up with no light, no electricity, got a scholarship, became a surgeon, opened up a medical center, was chief of surgery, like had a bomb ass life and came from nothing and put all my cousins through college, meet all his kids through college and medical school, school except for me. And he did not deserve to die like the way that he died. And it, that will always traumatize me, but I'm not going to remember him for those two months. I'm going to remember everything that he did before that. And for the fact that he always believed in me when I was a black sheep of the community, it was always my dad who was like, you're a superstar. Don't worry about it. Like you're a superstar and I know you're a superstar. And he put that in me. And so I literally am doing all of this for him. Like all this success, all this is from him. And I'm so blessed that I had such a great dad, honestly. And I, I feel like I would not be where I am today if it wasn't for him and to have gone through that. And for me, it's like, if I can become super powerful, super well-known, and then be able to impact people's lives positively, then my dad didn't die in vain. And that's mm. how I feel about it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that is really powerful. And uh, I, I send a lot of love and healing vibes to you and your family. Thank you. How, how is the family doing? Good. You know, yeah. After, after, you know, we're almost a year out from that happening. How, how are they coping? How are they moving forward? It's so crazy because it doesn't feel like a year ago. Like it literally feels like two months ago. Like it doesn't feel like a year. It just feels like we've been in this bubble, right? You know, there's lots of things have happened and so much has gone right. And like my company has exploded and my brand has exploded. So many things happened, but it literally feels like it's been three months only. Um, but like my mom is doing great. Thank God she's in a good place. Like thankfully everybody's doing okay. I mean, it was a terrible thing, um, but you know, we're happy that we're out of it. Unfortunately, it's like my family has been so impacted. Like I lost an uncle overseas from COVID. Like, it's just crazy. Like, I just, I feel like my family was so attacked by this disease. And I don't know if there's some genetic thing with being Arabic that it's like more, you know, deathly or I'm not sure what it is, but it's like so many of my family members have been impacted. And I always think like, why? Like, why is it my family that's so impacted by this? But you can't have that mentality. You have to just understand that this happened and you can either let it ruin your life or you can let it motivate you and realize that death is a great motivator. I know it sounds so weird, but I learned it from Robert Greene actually. And I'm so thankful for my podcast because I've gotten to interview so many great people. And I feel like these little gems 
um, I was meant to learn them and to to kind of use them later on in life. And like everything is fate, everything is destiny, right? And so Robert Greene and a few other people, um, Mark Metry as well, kind of drilled it into me that death is life's ultimate motivator. And you don't need to wait till you're on your deathbed to realize that if you accept death, and if you realize that like death is going to happen, you never know if you're going uh, to live like another 10 days or another 10 years. Like you don't know if you wake up every day, like this could be my last day. You attack life with a much different motivation. You're not lazy. You're not, you know, you don't let opportunities slide by because you know that it could be your last day here. And you want to go out, you know, with a bang and try your hardest to achieve whatever you want to achieve. So to everybody out there listening, you don't need to wait until, you know, your dad dies to to realize this. Mm. You can realize it now and kind of think about your death instead of avoiding it. Like think about it, accept it, don't avoid it, let it motivate you. Um, I think that's really powerful. And I think people are really scared to talk about death. And I think that's the wrong way to go about it. You should accept it, realize that it's it's true and then use it as a way to motivate you to accomplish your goals and not procrastinate and not be lazy. Wow. Yo, <laughs> like you might as well just drop that mic. Um that's crazy. I I I literally like my biggest fear is losing my dad. Like my biggest fear because that's like my best friend, my role yeah. model, the person who's really helped instill so many great values. And uh I just acknowledge you for the way that you've approached that loss and how you've used it to honor your father and really take life from a new perspective and like an an updated perspective. Like so many people live life like they're never going to die and they die having never truly lived. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think part of it is not only the action, it's the belief. It's the belief that you can achieve anything and life is limitless. So for me, before my dad died, I was still really hardworking. I I was running my podcast. I was working a full-time job. I was, you know, I was still so hardworking, but I was hardworking without believing that it's possible. And if you do that, then it's always like, you know, stagnant. Like you, you, you keep going, but it's flat progress. As soon as like my dad was sick, And I was like, you know what? I really believe this is possible and I'm going to do this for him. And I'm going to truly believe that life is limitless and I can be the biggest female podcaster in the world. It was like all these opportunities that I was blind to started to open up. I started to realize like Apple's not the only game in town. Why don't I promote myself on the other apps? Why don't I do this? Why don't I do that? And then all of a sudden everything blew up and it's like same amount of work. It's not like I was doing more work. I just did different things and saw, saw creative opportunities that I was previously blind to. So I think having that belief is like part of the puzzle, not just like working hard. It's having that true belief that life is on the list. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. I think we've been, we've been, we've been brought up and we hear the phrase, like, I'll believe it when I see it. Mm. And, and I think if we can switch that around, like I'll see it when I believe it. Ah, I love that. And really, really bringing those thoughts, feelings, and emotions to life. And that's so powerful. Honestly, I'm so glad that you shared that. And and I think that's going to provide so much value for everyone listening and so much perspective. Like if you woke up today and, and you and your loved ones are healthy, 
like, wow, like you yeah. are winning. You are 100%. winning. percent mm-hmm. And I want to, I know, I know we're running a little short on time, Hala, but I want to definitely talk about Yap Media. And we talked about how your growth has just accelerated. We didn't even dive deep into your work at um, HP and Disney that much, but I want to kind of get a clear idea of what you guys do at Yap Media. Yeah. And, and I think I might be using your services, you know, and. Yeah, and- I would love that. Yeah. So, yeah. So let me, let me tell you a bit about Yap Media. So um, like you got, like you mentioned earlier, I have a number one pod. Usually like CEOs, celebrities, bestselling authors. And I used to get the same question over and over again after I promoted their show, who does your marketing? Who does your marketing? Who does your marketing? And, and I never thought anything of it. I was like, I do my marketing. I'm a marketer. Like, yeah, like, so what, you know? And so I never thought like, oh, I could monetize my podcast this way. Right. And so finally one day it was actually Heather Monahan. You may know her. She's, she's one of my mentors now. And one of my clients, my first client, she saw what we were doing behind the scenes. And uh, at the time I had 10 volunteers and a Slack channel. And she's like, Holly, you have a business. I want to be your first client. You know, I want you to start with my videos. And I was like, okay. And then I just started taking over all her social media and all her podcast stuff and everything that we do for Yap, all the social media, the podcast production, we now have created services that we offer to other people. So it's like, I basically did it for myself. And then now I'm scaling it as services. And so that's how we start everything with Yap Media. We start it for Yap first, always, and then we scale it out to our clients. So it's a really cool model. And um, so we do LinkedIn management. I'm one of the biggest influencers on LinkedIn, almost 100,000 followers and crazy engagement. Like my post, like, you know, this week I had a post that had 6,000 likes. Last week I had a post that had 60,000 likes. <laughs> so crazy engagement on LinkedIn. Really know Are you how planning to- on seeing Shay when you're out here? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, I'm not very good friends with her, but we're friends with all the same friends. Just for some reason, me and her never connected. Um, But yeah, so we're probably meet each other in Miami. Um, We're starting to do clubhouse rooms together. But anyway, we do. I do LinkedIn, LinkedIn automation, Instagram, uh, clubhouse events. So we manage clubhouse events for people and then podcast production. So uh, bookings, show briefs, research, audio editing, micro content for social media. Um, I have a 40 person team. Half my team is overseas, my creative team, all my video editors, graphic designers, ops people, and then all my content creators, uh, sorry, copywriters and social media managers are in the US. And so it's, it's, it's amazing. We have such a happy team and we create amazing work. And it's really like a white glove agency for people that are like want to be in influencers and want to be really, really visible in the digital world. And um, I'm very selective with my clients, but you would be a great fit. So yeah, I'd love to see, see what we can co-create together. That's amazing. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And Hala, because this is the Thrive University podcast, and just to let you know, Thrive is an acronym that stands for thoughts, habits, relationships, intention, vitality, and embodiment. Ooh. So, yeah. So, so our mission here is to really empower people with the tools and, and knowledge that they never got in school. Mm. And I'm curious to know, what is one thing, one lesson that you would teach to all of the children in the world? 
if you had this microphone and, you know, 7.5 billion people, but let's focus on the kids, the youth, what would that message be? Oh my gosh. It's so funny that you bring this up because I'm about to interview Dr. Caroline Leaf in a couple of hours. And this exactly relates to her stuff. She's a, a neuroscientist and she talks about how like your brain and your mind are two separate things and you need to learn how to manage your mind if you want to be healthy physically, mentally. And this is something that they don't teach in school. Your brain and your mind are separate. Your brain can change based on your thoughts, like physically, and your brain controls your body and and disease and everything like that. And if I was to tell somebody who's like a student in school, learn about your mind, learn about your brain, learn how to manage your mind, learn how to change your negative thoughts, learn how to change your mindset subconsciously and drill it inside you when you're young. I think that when I was 19, I learned about the law of attraction. And I think that that set off the rest of my life. And had that not happened, I think that I would be just like, you know, some normal girl in a normal corporate job making 50K a year. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like my whole life changed because I trained myself to be positive. You know, I was very average before that happened. And then once I did that, like everything took off in my life. And so I would say, take time to learn about your mind, to learn about your brain, to learn about neuroplasticity and how you can change your brain physically and how that impacts your body and how that's going to impact your actions and the things that you're going to achieve in life. Because you don't learn that in school. You don't learn how to manage your emotions, right? Learn how to manage your thoughts, learn how to manage your emotions. That will give you so much ammo in life. If you are somebody who has strong EQ and who can think positively and who thinks naturally positively. And you don't have to always, you know, proactively try to change your thoughts and it just happens naturally. That's where you want to be. And I think starting young is the key because I think that a lot of people like they don't realize that until they're 30, 40. And it's not that it's too late. It's never too late, but you'll be way better off if you learn that when you're 12 you know, and when you're 13, 14, 15. So I would say, do yourself a favor and start studying your mind, studying your brain and how you can manage your mind. Mm, I love that. I definitely second that. Definitely need to have more modules and discussions about brain health and how to optimize performance and how to handle things like anxiety and how to handle things like self-limiting beliefs because they will come up, but it's our relationship that we, that we establish with those things that really is going to dictate our future. Now, final question for you. Um, I want you to close your eyes for a second. Okay. Close them. Close them. Good, good. No peeking. Now, I want you to imagine that you have already given the most impactful TED Talk you're standing on that red dot. Everyone's clapping, pumping their fists. You have been recognized as having the most impactful podcast of any woman host to ever walk the face of the earth. You've built Yap Media to such an abundant place where you're barely really doing anything at this point for it anymore. It's just a well-oiled machine working with the highest level celebrities, influencers, people of impact. And you've really accomplished everything beyond your wildest dreams. And now it's your final supper. 
It's your final dinner. And you get to share the table with three other people and just talk about whatever you desire. And they can't be family members. I'm curious to know who are those three people? And most importantly, what are you having to eat for that final meal? Oh my gosh, what a crazy question. Do you ask this to everyone? Just you, Hala. <laughs> oh my gosh, what a crazy question. Okay, three people and three people and what are we eating? Okay, so I think my one person would be... <sighs> This is going to sound so crazy, but I don't know what I'm just going to tell you the truth, tell you what pops up in my head. One person is going to be like a political person. Um, I'm Palestinian. And so one of the things that I think is my life mission when I'm an older woman, like much older, like 20 years from now, is I think I'm supposed to make a positive impact in terms of human rights in Palestine and uh, try to let people understand that Palestinians are human Palestinians deserve rights. They deserve to be treated like humans in, you know, Palestine, Israel and that situation. And I feel like one of the reasons why I don't talk about it much is because I feel like I'm supposed to reach a level of power before I actually try to do anything there, because I think that my, my level of influence will be stifled if I don't. And so I'm just, you know, I just, I just know that in 20 years when I'm super powerful or it could be 10 years that I'm supposed to help. I'm supposed to help human rights. And so I don't know who's going to be in power at that time, but it will be somebody at that table is going to need to be involved in that situation where I can positively impact that situation. And oh, so, so like a prime yeah. minister or something along those lines, like a prime minister that I can, I can help positively impact. Um, the other person I think would be Robert Greene. So he's my favorite author and he wrote the laws of human nature and he's just a genius. I had a two-part series with him. You got to get him on your podcast, Jeremy, if you haven't, he is brilliant. I would love to. If you, oh can, my gosh. If you can help facilitate brilliant. that. I oh can, my gosh. I probably can. Yeah. And so he is brilliant. And I, that interview has impacted my life so much. It's impacted so many of my listeners. I think it was 43 and 44, episode 43 and 44. Brilliant. And I would love to just get more time with him and to pick his brain. He's just an absolute genius. And uh, the third person would be Seth Godin. So he's my marketing mentor. Wow. Um, and he is amazing. Um, when it comes to my professional life and and how I do my brand marketing and you know the my my uh, it's all Seth Godin in terms of my influence. I love him, and so uh, from a business perspective, I'd love to talk to Seth Godin from a you know human personal perspective to be a better uh, communicator, to be a better um, like better manage my emotions. Robert Green, and then from like a good for the world, let's save the world, some sort of prime minister to help with human rights uh, if it's still an issue when I'm super powerful. <laughs> so those would be the, the all three. And then in terms of the meal, it would be lasagna. Lasagna is my favorite thing to eat. Ooh, yo, when you come to Miami. Okay, thank you for uh -huh. sharing that, by the way. Um, Seth Godin, like that book, This Is Marketing, is oh such gosh. a game changer. Like whether you're a market, I, I think literally every human would get so much value from reading that book. This is marketing. And we'll link to episode 43 and 44 of Robert Greene in the show notes. So yeah, check that and I out. I had Seth Godin on my show too. So uh, I forgot the number, but you can link to all those too. 
Hell yeah, we will. But when you come to Miami, there's this restaurant. It's actually uh-huh. a vegan restaurant called Planta. And they have the most fire vegan lasagna. Like, Oh my gosh. Yes. So I'm manifesting that. I'm already visualizing it. So when you come, we definitely need to plan an evening uh, at, at Planta and and. I want to see what you think of that vegan lasagna. Oh my gosh. I'd love to. I'd love to. Yeah. And Hala, I really just want to acknowledge you for the way you're showing up in the world and for all of the courage and all the perseverance that you've demonstrated in your life up until now. And I know you're just getting started, but it's been such a blessing to get to know you uh, right now on this show and in, in our previous conversations, like I see you just being so welcoming on Clubhouse and everywhere else. So I'm excited to see what we can co-create together. Yeah. And um, finally, just let the listeners know where they can connect with you. Of course. So Jeremy, first of all, I want to say what a great conversation. Thank you for not asking me the same questions. Like you really took different angles and I would love to replay this on my podcast if you allow me to once it comes out. Um, Because it was just such a unique conversation. But in terms of where people can find me, find me on LinkedIn. You can search for my name. It's Hala Taha. I'm on Instagram at Yap with Hala. I'm hosting Clubhouse Rooms at Hala Taha every single day. I do live episodes there, podcast office hours if you want to learn from me or social media rooms. And then of course, Young and Profiting Podcast. So we are a number one education podcast across all apps. I've interviewed people like Matthew McConaughey, Seth Godin, Robert Greene, who we just talked about today. And it's an amazing show. I do lots of research and you guys will find a ton of value. If you like Jeremy's Thrive University podcast, you're going to love mine too. So looking forward to be added to your rotation. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm so (laughs) grateful for this opportunity to connect with you. This conversation was so enjoyable for me. It like inspired me so much to take action. And for everyone listening right now, I want you to remember that knowledge is not power. Knowledge is potential power. It's going to require you to take action like Hala did. She didn't just magically build this top performing podcast and build this team. It took consistent, committed action every single fucking day. And that's what it's going to take for you to achieve your dreams. So you already know what time it is, fam. It's time to make your dreams a reality. It's time to make your dreams a reality and thrive. Oh my goodness, Thrive Tribe. I don't know about you, but that episode with Hala left me so inspired, so energized to take action on my dreams. I'm so inspired by all of the adversity and all of the obstacles that she has overcome to get to where she is now. And I want to remind you that knowledge is not power. Knowledge is potential power. It requires you to go out and take action. That's the biggest difference between good people and great people. The great people, the extraordinary individuals, the world changers are people who are committed to taking action, even when there's resistance, even when there's fear. And one of the things you can do right now to take action on your health, on your happiness, is by joining my group coaching experience. Again, the cart is only open for one week. So you don't have time to be indecisive and overthink things. You know 
what's right for you to do in this moment. It's time that you trust your intuition and really invest in yourself. I'm going to be there every step of the way, hosting weekly calls for the group and providing a lot of support. So if you're ready to level up and unleash your potential, hit that link in the show notes right now and I'll see you in there. I can't wait to grow and elevate together. And fam, you already know what time it is. It's time to stop settling for mediocrity and thrive.